This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, Mr. Dotcomer on weei.com. Patriots lose to the Bills 38 to 9, the second worst loss in the Bill Belichick era and the worst loss at home in the Bill Belichick era. So it was not a good night for the Patriots. Uh, Andy, what, what were your uh, first thoughts on the game? I think you nailed it. It was not a good night for the Patriots in what has not been a good season. Um, I mean, you saw what is now the measuring stick in the AFC East. You saw an MVP caliber quarterback. I thought you saw a well-rounded football team that I got to give John Meter Perel credit. You know, you were actually on with us yesterday on the radio and he said the Bills were going to be able to name their score and do what they wanted to do. And that was kind of how that game played out. And I know you're undermanned. And I know, well, first of all, I, I do want to sort of discount. I don't believe there was an effort issue. I thought the team played hard. Um, I second that. You're not good enough. You weren't good enough. And some of the um, interesting aspects of that to me, or one of the big ones was J.C. Jackson. You know, no Stephon Gilmore. J.C. Jackson, always a Pro Bowl snub and all this. And then he gets his chance against Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs ends up with three touchdowns, and only two of them were against uh, J.C. Jackson. But uh, I think the argument I've had for a year and a half, ever since Pro Football Focus anointed J.C. Jackson like the best corner in football, um, it's much easier to play alongside a really good corner and, you know, just sort of do your thing. I said to you last night, if Gilmore plays, he's got Diggs, and now all of a sudden, you know, J.C. Jackson's with Cole Beasley or one of those other guys. Oh, he had a great night. Well, yeah, it's easy to to be Robin as long as the big bad Batman is sitting next to you, right, or standing in front of yeah. you. Um, this was a whole- discussion in the press box last night. Quickly on Jackson, like, yep. is he a number one cornerback? Like, can you name thirty one other cornerbacks better than him? 
Probably not, but there's a difference between being an elite number one cornerback and just a number one cornerback. And that's, that's what Jackson is. I would agree completely with that. The other aspect of that that I would say is over the years, you know, I'll compare him to Dion Branch. Weird comparison, probably, but Dion Branch was traded because was Dion Branch a number one receiver? Probably. Yeah. Was he an elite receiver? No. And he wanted to be paid that elite money. Seahawks willing to do it. Patriots aren't willing to do it. And I think that's where I would put J.C. Jackson because you, you start to think about the money. He's got one more year. He's going down the Malcolm Butler road of get the restricted free agent contract. And then do you want to, you know, or even before then you can make a decision, but do you want to give him $70 million, 80 million? Like the price has gone up. It's, I would not. No, no. I would not either. And I don't think Bill Belichick will because if he's going to pay that guy, like Stefan Gilmore, he expects him to be like Stefan Gilmore. Correct. The one thing I will say is I do think I do think JC Jackson is more of a what is now a high-end corner in the NFL. And we have to forget Darrell Revis and Deion Sanders and shut down. Now, don't get me wrong, he's not as good as Gilmore. And Gilmore's been a lot closer to that in recent years. But I do think when you look around the NFL, elite corners now are they have their hiccups. They, they pick off more passes. Like, they're expected to be playmakers. It's, it's sort of a ball-hawking roll the dice. Yeah, I'm going to give up plays, but I'm going to make more plays. Like a, a Marcus Peters and some of those guys that – every once in a while you watch a game with one of those guys, and it's like, he's an elite corner. He makes $80, $90 million, and, like, it's just a bad day. And then there's another day where he has two picks, one returned for a touchdown. He had another that was close, and – so I think that's where J.C. Jackson is. But the trouble is even those guys, I mean, Ramsey and Peters and all, they make a crap load of money. So um, it's interesting because I think, you know, coming down the home stretch of the season and the forget about the details, but people are starting to think about next year and who's, who are the building blocks you can keep and who would, and I think J.C. Jackson would have been a yes in almost everyone's, everyone's list. And when you take into account the contract, I don't know if he's a yes long-term in terms of a guy you want to build around. Uh, speaking of building around, can we uh, finally put to bed Cam Newton is not the guy to build around in 2021? Well, I don't know if I need to say finally. I decided that a long time ago. Um, well, I'm thinking maybe Bill Belichick. Well, I thought he said it wasn't Cam's fault. He wasn't the problem. Well, let's get into that. So Cam Newton obviously had another bad performance, 5 for 10, 30-something yards. Uh, and then after the game, Bill Belichick said Cam played well. He wasn't the problem. Yeah, I don't – I mean, that's one of those where you have to start to question the guy's judgment. If Bill Belichick firmly believes that, I don't think he does. I don't think I mean, he does either, but why is he sticking up for the guy? The guy stunk. Uh, yeah, I don't really – and he did. He, he continues to stink. And, yes, everybody else stinks too. He's, he, but he's – dropped, He dropped a pass. He dropped a nice right. pass. We have to put that out there. He dropped a nice – And I've said it a million times, the butterfly effect. I guess – I'm. I don't believe this, but maybe he catches that. It's a touchdown changes the whole momentum and maybe the Patriots win this game. Now don't I don't think that at all, but I know, I don't need, but I just want to, you know, be fair. Um, I don't, I know Bedard has written some stuff, Greg Bedard over at Boston sports journal about like bill needs. I don't really even understand it. Bill needs cam to be like a, a good recommendation for him around the league. Cause he knows cam carries weight with players and 
he, Greg has written, like, he needs Cam to, like, tell other players, oh, yeah, you know, Bill had my back, and it was great to be around him. I mean, Cam admitted after the game, like, he basically was asked, like, Belichick said you, you weren't the problem, you, you played good, like, do you agree with that? And Cam's like, no, I don't. Well, that's because Cam has eyes. He can feel it. He knows it. As he said, you don't get benched if you're having a, a, a good day. You right. don't get – like, I – it, it really is one of the harder things to – I know we've had issues of, you know, what's Belichick thinking? Why does he do this? And, you know, trying to get in his mind, just don't do it. It's not worth it. But, like, he doesn't have to say he's not part of the problem. Like, he doesn't have – I mean, he doesn't have to say he's the problem. Right. But he doesn't have to say he's not – like, he, he almost – like, it devalues his opinion. Like, I, for whatever reason, he's blinded by something on this. Like I, I would agree. And then uh, – do you want to get into Stidham next? Uh, sure. Yeah, Stidham. So he goes in the game in the third quarter, and, I, I mean, he was four for 11, 40-something yards, a little bit better than Cam, but, like, I don't think he had that one play that was like, oh, this guy has to start next week. He should have been starting all along. But then in that same, you know, equation, you do have to factor in he wasn't the starter all week. He was playing the scout team. The game plan was probably designed for Cam Newton and not Jared Stidham, so I think you have to – be fair to Stidham and give him a full chance to be the starter going into the game to get the full view of what he is. 100%. Now, I do not believe Jarrett Stidham is the guy, the quarterback. I, I don't either. I just – what do you have, would like to, we have to lose? He, I, I, and I want to give him a fair shot, and it's right. not a fair – you know, Brian Greasy was on this point talking about it. Like, let him be the starting quarterback. Now, I also – one game left, even if he goes out there and shreds the Jets and, like, I don't know what that proves. It's going to be a preseason game. The Patriots are going to be missing tons of players. And you saw at the end of the game how many injuries they had. Like, guys, you know, that's human nature. They're not going to be fighting through, you know, injuries to play a Week 17 game against the Jets. So, right. Right. it's not going to be a true gauge, but it's better than, you know, just having mop-up duty. Right. And I, it is – it's only fair to him. And I know this has become sort of a polarizing issue, and you've dealt with it, and race is involved, I think, sometimes in different things. But – until we see Jarrett Stidham actually, like Cam Newton has now gotten 14 chances, like to practice, to play, to prepare, to, to do it all. And Jarrett Stidham has zero. He's never had that opportunity. He's, he tried to tiptoe through a lot of those questions I thought last night in terms of, you know, any opportunity I get, whether it's scout team or seven on seven, I try to make the most of it. And I, I pride myself in knowing the offense and blah, blah, blah. Like, but it's not the same. No, and Jed Fish acknowledged what it was two or three weeks ago that basically he the only reps he gets in practice with the scout team. Right, and that I mean that's how it works. That's why right. and I would also have to imagine like another like Tom Brady last year. Stidham got more looks with the first team because Brady doesn't need practice. Right, Cam and Newton needs all the practice he can get. So any reps that are going to the first team offense are going to Cam Newton. Right, and it's not paying off. <laughs> no, it's not. you continue to just you know, invest in something that doesn't, you know, is a, is a permanent, what was that old movie, the money pit where they bought the house and you just like, you fix one thing and something else breaks. And it's just like, you're just pouring the money into one of those money pits. That's, it's not money. It's time. It's, it's that you're pouring into Cam Newton with, I just, I just don't envision it. And I, I also, I think, I mean, I guess it's out the window now, but even recently, I think the whole you know, lose the locker room and what kind of message does it send? Like, what kind of message does it send when you put a quarterback out there who can't throw the football every week? Like, that's not deflating to receivers. And I'm not saying the receivers are good. 
But right. when you know your quarterback stinks and you know, again, I don't know where, where Jared Stidham will do it, but if you're a receiver or a tight end and you're running a route and you are going into your break thinking, when I turn my head, the ball could literally be anywhere. It could be, you know, ankles, one hopper above me. Yeah. Right. Like that has to be, that has to have some adverse effect on the receivers, right? Like you, you not, think- not having any confidence that when I turn, the ball is going to be in my catch radius. It's going to be where it should be. So I think we've just tied ourselves in knots in this whole debate as why he's doing it and why he won't put Stidham in. And I think some really dumb arguments have been made but I think the big picture if you want to step back for a second they don't have a quarterback they need a quarterback they need they probably need multiple they probably need multiple yeah so that's the, like forget the the minutia of the month of December in the season 2020 they don't have a quarterback for 2021 and beyond and that's that's where it starts but that's not where it finishes I mean the Bills are another team you don't match up talent wise and and I don't even think they're they're not sexy, flashy, talented. They're like a good team. They have a good collection of good players. And I've used this exercise last night. Just look at the drafts. Look at the Bills' last four drafts. Yep. They've made the most, most of their drafts, and that's, that's where it starts. And that's why, you know, as we start to turn the page into the offseason one week to go, which I do think there's reason for hope because Belichick has – assets and the ability to to do things via the draft space you're gonna have a first round pick but you're in a tough situation because of what you just said the drafts because Nikhil Harry is not your receiver you have to think do I want to go spend 80 million dollars on a receiver because Joan Williams second round cornerback is not a second round cornerback do you need to go add another you know Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene have been a disaster as rookies. I'm not willing to say it's over. You know, maybe they'll make the year two jump, have a normal whatever. But be, at least because of that, you have to consider investing highly in a tight end. Whereas, like, look at a year ago, and I know he was drafted much higher, but like T.J. Hawkinson didn't have like a stupid great rookie season or Noah Font. Right. But they gave you the. I think both of those teams believed okay, we have our tight end. It's going to, like, he'll get better. Maybe year three is the jump, whatever. I don't know how the Patriots could possibly feel like they have their tight end in Devin Asiasi or Dalton Keene. So you didn't draft a tight end that wows you or, or is ready to take over. You didn't draft a receiver that wows you or is ready to take over. Defensive players have shown flashes, but there are still questions. It's not you didn't draft a rookie, you know, all pro, a rookie pro right. bowler, all rookie anything. You know, Duggar, I like. I think Duggar is going to be a building block, but we'll see. I mean, there's going to be growth there. Pretty much last night, and I don't know if that's indicative of the game plan or him or a lot of factors. I don't know. I'm not going right. to sell him off for one game. but No, and I still am hopeful for – but there just aren't a lot of even the young drafted guys from the – you know, Jake Bailey. We joke about it, but it's another night where when I do my thumbs up, thumbs down, Jake Bailey's an easy thumbs up. Your pro bowler, your weapon, he's kicking it 60 yards, putting it inside the five, but – you know, we've mocked it for so many years, and I keep getting back to this. When Bill starts his Wednesday press conference raving about the other team's punter or special teams unit, you know the other team isn't very good. They're not very talented. Right. And I would say if you're talking about the Patriots, one of the things you start raving about first would be Jake Bailey and the special teams, although the rest of the special teams left something to be desired last night. Uh, can we get into that? Like, that just continued the trend of, like, weird things that don't usually happen. Like, the fake punt, second week in a row, 
obviously last week's was called back because of a penalty by the Dolphins, but why didn't somebody on the sideline or the field see the alignment and call a timeout? Like, that just doesn't happen to a, a Patriots team. Yeah, I don't know. And it is, it is egregious. Um, now we've talked about you've lost a lot of coaching in recent years and there's, you know, a brain drain or however mm-hmm. you want to channel seven it and make it a headline. But could be something like that or, you know, they're trying to do something and it's one of those where they catch you trying to do something by doing something themselves. Uh, I will also say I actually had this discussion with the, the main radio guys I do with this idea that whether it's the punt, it's the, the decision not to punt later, the challenge you know, these things that fall at Belichick's feet, fall at the coaching staff's feet, are there more of them? Are they worse? You know, the Pat McAfee, has he, quote, checked out? Yeah. There's also, in my mind, I wish, I'm not going to do it, so I'm not even going to pretend, but, like, I feel like you could go back to most games over the years, and there were one, two, three of these talking points the next day where you're like, yeah, what do you think of Belichick's decision in the third quarter with X? But when you win by 17 points, it doesn't matter. Right. When you go 14 and two or 12 and four and win most games by, you know, with ease, that gets brushed under the rug. It's just like a a subplot talking point. When you lost your margin for error, you're not as talented. You don't have a quarterback. You're not making the playoffs. Suddenly those become the talking point. They're not brushed under the rug. So I think a little bit more will be, is being made of that and will be made of that than should be. Um, The bigger question is the one, you know, we've had discussed on our airwaves is, is Belichick the guy to, to direct the ship in the right direction, to do the rebuild, to, to approach what is coming, you know, after one more game. I personally still think he is. Yeah, um, my question that would be, who, who is the guy then? Who, who, who's, who's better? I got nothing. I know this is not a video podcast, but I'm a Belichick right now. I'm throwing my hands in the air like, what are you asking me? Because I don't know. Um, so I'm still on the Belichick thing, but the job is it's a big one for a 68 year old boss in the NFL. Like it's a, I, I am hopeful that there's a lot of opportunities in the off season, but that's not to say, Oh, you do a couple things and boom, you're right back competing because again, I think you saw that the divide between you and the bills and you know, certainly you and the chiefs and some of those other talented teams in the AFC, the divide is seemingly growing. And I would say that because they're young players and they're new players that like they're making them, those teams. Oh, it's, better. Say, it's, it's not just about hitting on a couple guys in free agency. It's hitting on all your free agency additions, hitting on the draft, probably making a trade or two. Like you have to have, you know, 10 things go right. Not like three or four. Yeah. If you're going to make this a slow, I mean, a quick rebuild, Belichick is going to have without a doubt, in my opinion, his best off season. And I mean, cause even if you compare it to, you know, I've sort of said, could it be like 2006 to 2007 where yeah. he sees the deficiencies of his team and says, I got to respond to this. I'm going to get receivers. I'm going like, I'm going all in. I have the cap space, but you did that with Brady. You already had the quarterback. You already had the hardest thing to get. So he could have a 2007 like off season with um, Adalis Thomas, Randy Moss. What He could hit on those, like hit great players. But if the quarterback is not among those, then it, it still does. You'll still be chasing in the division. You'll still be chasing in the conference. And then the flip side of that is other than my question about Brian Dable, who I think is a huge part of their success offensively, they have to face that challenge. But physically, talent wise, the Bills, year two under Diggs, Josh Allen settling, like 
there's no reason to believe other than the coaching that they're not going to continue to be good. And I know there's even the talk in Buffalo of adding more weapons or building around him like Mahomes. Like we have an MVP quarterback. Let's, let's give him what he needs. And so you're chasing that within your division. And, and I think a lot of people respect Sean McDermott and what the program he's built. So it's the, not the like Dolphins are putting together a good program down there. They're getting better. Yes. So, I mean, there's, there's quite a uh, road to hoe for Bill uh, Belichick. Quickly before we wrap this up, you watched – I was at the game, so I didn't watch the broadcast. Did ESPN sort of paint Belichick like brushing off Josh Allen's season? Oh, yeah. Multiple times they sort of referenced it in weird ways about – Like a production meeting, like the way that he gave oh, off yeah. the hype. But clearly that he gave the indication to them that he wasn't buying the hype, sort of, the MVP hype or, or, or whatever it is. I don't know how – I mean, they kept kind of – insinuating and saying that I don't know what he exactly said to them. right I kind of get because he was asked about it after the game and didn't really take the bait or he didn't he basically acknowledged that he thinks Allen's a good quarterback I wonder if this I don't know like we're, we're reading I'm reading too much into this but that he's kind of gonna be upset with ESPN and cut off some ties there oh you're not I mean he definitely will be upset with ESPN 100 percent I I've been in that position in those production meetings or preseason games where then our, not so much Paul and I, Paul Perillo and myself, but the, the play-by-play guy, I want to say it was Dan Roach at the time, and maybe Christian Fourier as the color guy, but he was upset that they almost word for word used his words rather than just sort of using it as background information and, and not tying it to him saying, you know what I mean? And like, he was upset. He was, it, it was an issue for us back then. And this is even a bigger deal because it's on national TV, ESPN, and he's talking about, you know, a division foe rising star quarterback who they're and saying he, stinks. Yeah. So I think he's going to be really, really upset. I think he'll also be upset to some degree because um, Lewis Riddick is, is his boy, is, is a guy that played for him, has been very supportive of him um, and Josh McDaniels and all that ties over the years. I also thought the, the ESPN crew, struggled a little bit in this game with Lewis Riddick because early on they tried to be I thought deferential and positive about the Patriots and then as the beatdown is coming and then as Cam is pulled you know because they they were on board I think Riddick said you know Bill Belichick will never give in and that's why Cam Newton is starting because he gives them the best chance to win well now a series later you're having to backtrack because Bill Belichick has yanked uh, Cam Newton for Jarrett Stidham and it's like it's one of those things we always talk about. If you have an agenda and you have a story to tell, instead of just giving your honest opinion and watching the game, then you end up in a weird position, tying yourself in pretzels to explain why now something else is happening. And I thought the, even my wife said, what are they babbling about? I go, this is what happens to people. When, when you twist yourself in these pretzels to try to defend points that aren't your own opinion. And like you, you end up sounding weird and just sort of talking in circles. And, I thought there was a little bit of that, but he won't care about that as much as he'll care about them basically quoting him saying Josh Allen isn't that good, is not an MVP candidate. All right, uh, got to wrap this up. we got some uh, press conferences, conference calls to attend to, but we will have a podcast later in the week. That's promise. I don't know what day it is yet, but we will have one. You got a mouse in your pocket? Who's we? <laughs> oh, you're, you're not going to do one? I'm sure we will because I, I don't care about New Year's or New Year's Eve the way I do about Christmas and Christmas Eve. So it's not the same holiday. In these times, yes, it's not the same holiday. No, not at all.
But uh, I'm really looking forward to this Jets game. Should be a fun game. Really excited. Yeah, you know, I think the, Jim Nance and Romo might, be, might come in town to call it. You know what the best thing about this Jets game is? It means nothing. We have like a running clock. No, Sunday at 1. I don't really care about all the other details. Yeah, I agree. I, we got so many updates from the league with, you know, schedule updates week 17. I kept looking. Are they really going to move this to 4 o'clock just to make the windows work? I uh, Monday night football blows when your team – Sure does. Like, when you're watching a crappy game and you're like – first of all, it hasn't you knew it was going to be a crappy game. Yes, I didn't think it would be quite as crappy as it was. But um, it's getting to like 4 in the afternoon and you're like, this game doesn't start for four hours. It doesn't end for seven hours. Right. Then I got to wait for camp. I will say Bill Belichick came pretty quickly last night. Too. Well, it usually happens after the losses like that. Right. Um, did you happen to see, by the way, him on the Zoom, the meme that's making its way around with the Josh, I mean, the Matt Patricia quote? Um, no. Do me a favor. Have a little respect. Sit up and have some respect for the oh, process here. I didn't notice that. He was very, very, very relaxed. He was. He was like slouch. I think he had a puffy coat on or something that was still so. Uh, Cam was not relaxed, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be either if my career was going down the crapper. We'll get into that. Cam Newton's future, Jared Stidham's future. A lot of looking ahead, I would say, in this next podcast that will come later in the week at some point. And hey, wait a minute, real quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like to be balanced and fair. Yeah. Um, Sony Michelle early on ran hard. Um, that twenty, not the twenty-nine yarder, but the second one, like the twenty-one yarder. Uh, I thought may have been one of the best runs of his Patriots uh, career. I second that. I was going to mention that at some point when we were talking, but he's running probably the best he's ever had as a Patriot. Uh, could be desperation because he's like, well, I'm not the starter anymore. If I want to at least stay the backup, I better get my ass in gear, especially with this J.J. Taylor bursting up the middle for 20 after me. <laughs> right. Yes. So we, we're being fair. That was a positive. Jake yeah. Taylor wasn't the only positive in the game. That's right. That's right. All right. We'll talk to you later in the week. Peace out. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.